KFUO is a listener-supported radio ministry that needs your support to continue. When you partner with KFUO, you are proclaiming Christ worldwide. November 30th is Giving Tuesday, a day that encourages you to give back in whatever ways you can. Giving Tuesday presents a perfect time each year for you to support your favorite nonprofit organizations, including KFUO Radio. To give to KFUO, call 314-996-1518 or text KFUO to the number 41444 or give online at kfuo.org. Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Monday, November the 29th, and this next hour we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles with Song of Songs chapter Five. One of the unique things about this book that we've been experiencing is you look at it at first, you think, ah, it's just a love poem. There's not much here. But when you go verse by verse, you realize that there's so much more, the depth of the theology, the depth of seeing Christ. And I feel like after chapter four that we had on Friday with Pastor Stuart Crown, that I feel like all my senses are maxed out. The beauty, the fragrances, the oils, the nature, the adoration of the Shulamite and Solomon, all of it continues more of the same today. And it is kind of brings in a unique story of a dream and her searching for her groom. How does this all fit together? We'll find out today. Songs of Song of Songs is sure a lot of fun for the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome back Pastor David Fleming of Our Savior Lutheran Church and School in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and also the Executive Director for Spiritual Care with Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. Pastor Fleming, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you so much, Pastor Fenner. It's a joy to be with you. Pastor, as we are looking at our text today... It is something that uh, we could we could talk all day, and so I don't want to make sure that we're not just talking about that, but to find out a little bit more of what's going on for you. So what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Our Savior and your work in doxology? Well, we just had a delightful uh, Thanksgiving where we got together with our uh, son and his amazing uh, wife and her whole family. The first time we ever have done that, and uh, they're delightful people. And of course, we're now at the beginning of Advent, which, uh, well, the Lord is coming to us righteous and having salvation. Um, and uh, we cry out, Hosanna, come uh, save us, Lord. Mm. And uh, we're delighted to have that in light of all the kind of challenges in the world. So um, we've also been, um, we're in a little bit of a uh, travel respite from all the respite retreats we've been doing for doxology. We get a little break here. Uh, in an odd way, um, Advent is sort of a, a little more relaxed time for me now uh, as doxology's work slows down a bit. We do all the sort of behind-the-scenes work during Advent time and look forward to getting into 2022 with lots of retreats and conferences to serve pastors and hopefully also our commission ministers in the Missouri Synod. 
Well, thank you for for that, and you know what what a joy t- joyous time it was to be with together with uh, family for Thanksgiving, and and then obviously for Advent. Now it's just this um, anticipation time that as pastors, it really is a joy to be able to kind of settle in to the pulpit. And like you said, one of the problems is like, if you wanted to preach right now for one of us is like, no, I want to preach. It's kind of how pastors are during Lent and during Easter and during Advent. So even if you wanted to preach more, most of us don't give up the pulpit for guys like you. So it, it is what it is, right? <laughs> Some do. Yes. And I, I get the joy that a lot. I have been able to fill in for a, a dear friend pastor who's uh, still on a ventilator having uh, suffered a severe case of COVID. He's also in dialysis as well. So I've been able to serve at his congregation, uh, dear folks there. And that, that's been a delight as well. Well, God's blessings to you. And, and, and also just a reminder to our listeners that part of the work of doxology is to work with pastors, um, the laity, and their wives in order to uh, uplift them in their vocation as care, the, the curate of souls, the caretaker of souls, if you will. So continue to pray for our pastors this busy season and for the work of doxology among them. So, Pastor, as we ask for prayers, we also pray for the Lord's blessings today. Can you begin our time in prayer? Most certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious Lord, give us your Holy Spirit in your word, that we may delight in your rich gifts to us, especially in the love of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for us, his bride, the church. Lord, allow us to seek him and find him where he promises to meet us to not be dissuaded by the challenges of the world and their rejection of you and your truth. And Lord, allow us ever to rejoice and delight in your son fully, singing his praises and uh, allowing the world to be brought into the story of his great and boundless love. For he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text today or anything in Song of Solomon, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, um, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, Pastor, as I started at the beginning, Chapter 4 brings us just a, a really a wild ride of senses and senses sensory overload, I would say, and Chapter 5 is... It's really a blessing. We talked prior that, wow, well, I have enough, but we're going to have more than enough. So how do you want to start us off on the right foot this morning? Yeah. So I think we need to look at kind of the overall context of where we are when we get to chapter five. So uh, on Friday, uh, you wrapped up with uh, chapter five, verse one, which is really the end of the first half of Song of Songs. Uh, I, in the Hebrew text, the middle of Song of Songs is marked at chapter 4, verse 14, but thematically that line is at the end of verse 1, the beginning of of verse 2 of chapter 5. So the first four chapters up to chapter 5, verse 1 was about the anticipation 
of the marriage, the period of courtship up to the consummation of the marriage between uh, Solomon and the Shulamite, um, and also, of course, Christ and his bride, the church. These are the two levels going on here. Um, now chapters five through eight uh, deal with something we probably don't talk about enough, uh, Pastor, and that is the joy of marriage and the ongoing marriage of love after the wedding. All those uh, all those stories when we were kids, all the 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 uh, various movies my my daughters particularly delighted in where you know there's Prince Charming and Cinderella and things like this they they all end with the wedding and then they're married happily ever after which i think is a picture of eternal life actually i think that's what that was aiming at yeah. but but on earth here brady you and you and i we get to we get to enjoy the joy of marriage after we got married and uh and we get to continue in it and and that's that's sort of explicated here in chapters five through eight. We get to revel in the the gift of being husband and wife, um, even as we are in one sense already Christ's bride, um, and yet we're waiting for the fullness of that to come in eternal life as well. But since our baptism, we are we are his bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, and we're just looking for kind of that final full thing. I guess in a way, I guess the marriage to our Lord, the the honeymoon comes later, <laughs> if you will. Right. So we we uh, started our marriage here, uh, or maybe it's our engagement at baptism. Maybe that's the better analogy. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for the fullness of the marriage to come. But in this this time for us is sort of spelled out in chapters five through eight. And I think it particularly echoes the New Testament time where chapters one through four um, are uh, oh, showing us what it was like for the Old Testament Christians as, or believers as they're waiting for the coming of the Christ, uh, the beloved uh, for his bride. And this is something where Dr. Mitchell spoke about how you could also see it as chapters one and four are us waiting for the resurrection, the final resurrection. And that five through eight is enjoying the resurrection realities and eternity is the way that he spoke about it too. So it's interesting how, I, you know, I think I think it, it can go many ways, obviously. And and what we're finding is a lot of church fathers, a lot of Lutheran theologians, uh, Orthodox theologians, will see it differently. But there definitely is that works. I mean, this can work. But also the joy of marriage, we just don't talk about that. Like we'll say. Well, obviously it didn't, you know, they didn't live happily ever after. There's bumps and bruises. And we kind of forget about mentioning the joys. And that's what I really do find in here is the joys that we don't often talk about. And I wanted to ask you this question, Pastor Fleming, is that I've heard you preach a number of times and and what a joy that always is. And something you always say, which I which I try to do myself, is you, when you speak about your bride, your bride Joe, you will always say, My beloved. And it's not, it's not done in a snarky way. As far as I can tell, it's not snarky. Um, <laughs> it's done in a very endearing way. And, and that's exactly how it was spoken here in Sol- Song of Solomon. And can you, can you share us a little bit why you keep saying that and what that means to you? So I don't remember how I first started calling Joe my beloved. Uh, I, I just know that it has become my normal way to refer to her. Uh, and... And it, 
it brings me kind of joy and comfort every time I do. Somebody did catch me recently where I was talking about some household budgeting issue, and I think I called her my wife. <laughs> so, so they were saying, aha. So when, when things get rough, you say that. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I So I don't know. I, I'm still kind of astonished that my beloved married me. I, she could have done a lot better. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I'm still, oh, infatuated with her. I delight in her. She's she's brilliant. She's a faithful Christian. She's a wonderful mother and grandmother, um, and and a, a outstanding choir member and singer and church member. And I, it's such a joy to be with her, and that that I get to have her as mine. Um, and so that's that's why I call her beloved. I guess. Honestly, now that I've been doing it for so long, people comment on this. Um, and uh, I, although I, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't think about sort of what the public testimony of this is that much. Mm. Although I do love holding up that our whoever, if if you're married, your spouse is your beloved, and and. It sure helps our language. It sure helps us in our thinking and our neighbors and their thinking to talk like that, and instead of you know the, even the silly stuff like you know the ball and chain or whatever. And I understand there could be tongue and cheek in that, but uh, wh- why not use that opportunity to actually speak highly of our beloveds uh, and and to brag about them a bit. Now, Overall, by the way, I find men really respond well when they get bragged about. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's what's going on there. And I do think, I, you know, I suppose the one danger with Song of Songs is that if you're single, and I know a lot of very dear single people in our congregation. In fact, they're sort of vital to the life of a congregation, Um whether they're single because they're just not interested in, in someone of the opposite sex, or they um, they're interested but the, they have the right one hasn't come along yet, or whatever, um, I I want them to know that there is absolute joy for singles in the Song of Songs, because there is this beautiful drive attraction to. Of, of our Lord Jesus to us, his bride, the church, which it's nice to know somebody really desires us and delights in us. And then, of course, we have this longing and desire to be with Christ. And we will be married forever, no matter who, who you are. If you're a Christian, you're going to be married forever to our Lord. And that will be uh, the greatest joy and delight. And as uh, was a pastor crown so eloquently did it on Friday. We'll, you know, we'll be kind of overwhelmed with mm-hmm. uh, the saturation of our senses in the joys of heaven. I mean, if, if food tastes good now, can you imagine what it's like in eternal life? So, and, and that's when they describe that comparing Solomon to an apple tree that she not only has shade and protection with, this is chapter two, but also the sweet fruit that comes from it. I mean, how can you not think about the tree of life and, and everything else in eternity? You're, you're exactly right. It's just, it's going to be beyond comprehension. I can compare it to anything that I enjoy because it would be so beyond that. Pastor, any other observations you have 
about the uh, about any introductory thoughts. Yeah. So one last thing is Dr. John Kleinig, a dear friend and pastor from Australia, who both you, Pastor Finner, and I know, mm-hmm. uh, he he teaches that one way to heal the scars, addiction, and shame of pornography in particular, uh, which by the way, is an addiction to an unreal thing. Pornography is always sort of airbrushed or pixelated. Uh, it's fictitious or it's fictitiously written. Uh, sort of the, some of the romance novels are pure, you know, sort of written pornography, if you will. They, they have the ideal man who's perfect and everything. So th- this pornography, which isn't real, um, can be cured or we could turn away from it, uh, not only by repentance, of course, but also then by by using uh, our imagination in marriage or in consideration of our marriage. So, and, and Song of Songs does this, all this visual imagery um, and for that matter, uh, smells and tastes that go on in Song of Songs, allow us to delight in the Sixth Commandment and the blessings that are protected by the Sixth Commandment. So often we look at the Sixth Commandment merely as keeping us from bad behavior, as being a big no, which of course it is, um, but it's much, much more than that. All of the commandments are designed to protect something that's deeply valuable and precious and a blessing to us from God, like God himself and his name and, uh, and time with him. Uh, and then, you know, our parents and our lives and our sexuality. So Song of Songs allows us to delight in the attraction of man and woman, celebrated in the joy of marriage, and such delight and longing for each other is a picture of, of the joy of faith and faithfulness with our Lord Jesus, which fills our life and gives it meaning and, uh, at, at now and eternally as well. So, Pastor, we went through verse 1 of chapter 5, and I love how you started us off because it does show us the darkness we see in the world, we're also able to see the joys. And then we kind of start with a dream, or is it real? Or what is it exactly? And I think this really brings us back to reality. So, Pastor, I'm ready to start. You ready to start? I am. All right. Let's begin with verses 2, and we'll just go through verse 6. 2 through 6, as um, as the Shulamite woman begins to speak. And it says in the, in the titles, The Bride Searches for Her Beloved. She says, I slept. But my heart was awake, a sound. My beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? My beloved put his hand to the latch, and my heart was thrilled within me. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soil failed me. My soul, excuse me, failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave me no answer. 
So I think the obvious question right here, right at the beginning is, is this a dream or not? What are your thoughts? So I, I, there's quite a debate on this, actually. <laughs> um, I, I lean toward seeing, and I, I believe uh, Dr. Mitchell, who you had on at the beginning of this series, uh, I think he also leans this direction that uh, verses two through five are a dream. And then uh, six, from verse six on then is awake. Uh, and and the reason for going this way is, you know, she, she says right there in verse two, I slept, but my heart was awake. Um, mm. So, uh, so you, and this sort of makes sense if it's a dream, I think, and it, and it seems dreamlike. Uh, so she, in her dream, hears a sound, a, a knocking at the door. And it's her beloved knocking at the door, which you would know that in a dream. In reality, you wouldn't necessarily know, would you? Um, right. You would just know there's a knocking at the door. Uh, this is, of course, a parallel to Revelation chapter 3, uh, where to the church at Laodicea, our Lord Jesus writes a letter. Um, and the church at Laodicea, it had its problems. Uh, it strikes me as being a letter fitted, fitting for the American church, uh, if we could get that broad about it. It's a church that's got it really easy in a sense. It's got lots of money. Uh, the people have a relatively easy life, and they've become sort of bored with God. Uh, we could call this, uh, what, akadia might be the Greek word for that, the sort of sloth toward the things of God, but they don't value them. So, or, or maybe we call it apathy, right? And Jesus says, you're, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. Their, their love has grown cold for the Lord, or it's lukewarm. It's, it's neither, they don't love the Lord, nor do they hate him. They just don't care. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and he stands, says, look, I stand at the door and knock, which over the years, people have said this means Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart and we have to let him in. That's sort of the old evangelical interpretation of this. But he's talking to a congregation, actually, and he wants to come in and dine with her, which sure sounds like the Lord's Supper to me. Mm. Um, but but she doesn't want him to come in. I, I don't know why. What? Um, it'll take It'll take too long if we have the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Maybe that's it, um, or um, whatever. I'm not not sure, but there's a there's a apathy here in Revelation three twenty, and and you got the same thing here in a way, right? So she hears the knocking at the door. Um, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. So. Um, he um, he's out. Oh, boy, I was reading about Nebuchadnezzar today uh, when he got all drenched with dew and all that. So uh, here's the beloved, here's Solomon, here's Christ outside at night, um, and the dew is is getting him uh, wet, and he, um, and he cries out to her to open. Um, and these beautiful titles for her, right? Um, and 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 what's she say? It's it's kind of reminds me of the old uh, thing when I was oh in high school and a girl would say oh I I I can't go out I 
I got to wash my hair or something. (laughs) You know, I got better things to do. Um, I I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? Uh, Well, look, okay. You can put your garment back on. It's not that terrible. And okay. You could soil your feet again by getting out of bed. Uh, If it's for your beloved, what, why would you let anything hold you back from your beloved? Um, but this happens, doesn't it? We get this kind of apathy toward the gifts of God. Um, so uh, at times we don't want to get out of bed to meet our beloved. Um, or uh, we've clothed ourselves in our own sort of righteousness, but we realize it doesn't kind of match up. And we need to be reclothed by our Lord, but we're kind of not willing to repent and receive that. Or oh, our our feet, we we've washed our feet. Which, by the way, Jesus uses that image as the image for the like the daily forgiveness of sins. He does this with the disciples. One who is washed, that would be one who is bathed. One who is baptized uh, only needs to have be renewed in forgiveness by the washing of feet, this daily forgiveness. Uh, So she's kind of forgiven herself, I think, and doesn't need his forgiveness. So I I might be stretching these points a little bit, but it it strikes me that she, she avoids, in her dream, avoids going to her beloved and opening the door to him uh, because she's, she's, just not that interested. She's got better things to do, which is such a contrast to the rest of the whole book, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, they're always eager to see each other, but this happens to us, doesn't it? Uh, the word of God becomes boring or flat. The uh, the divine service becomes, you know, unimportant. Uh, we get distracted away. That's that's a sign we really need to sit down with our pastor and let him know that's how we're doing, um, and confess our sins, receive absolution, and start to to take in some of the richness of our Lord's word so that we he could restore us and renew our, our joy and love for him. So uh, then uh, what, verse four, my beloved put his hand to the latch. My heart was thrilled within me. Oh my goodness, you, you, you could feel this emotion, this sort of tingle here, can't you? Um, they're they're going to you know, be able to join together, husband and wife. Uh, I rose to open to my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh. And there we are, all that beautiful stuff from Friday's account. Uh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolts. So this beautiful fragrance, um, which brides would, uh, wives would anoint themselves with myrrh, with perfume, uh, when they're going to be joining with their beloveds. And, uh, and then she opens the door. Eddie's, he's not there. <laughs> exactly. It is the ultimate, like, because in, in chapter two, it's kind of like he leaps over me. He leaps over the mountains. He's right there. He, you know, he's looking through the window. He's looking through the lattice, which is kind of strange. But here, <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's not there. I mean, it's just like this huge um, um, disappointment that she must have felt, and it's a huge disappointment as one who reads it. Um, Pastor, about one minute before I break, what are your what are your thoughts on on that dynamic? He's not there. What does this mean? I I think this is about 
the painful separation we sometimes have in life. In our marriages, times when spouses are separated because of war, they're off serving our country or hospitalization during COVID time, some spouses couldn't be with their spouses in the hospital. Death separates us, which is heartbreaking and uh, not to be taken lightly. Uh, or it could also refer to those times when it appears that we're separated from God. Of course, we're never separated from God. But Jesus was, however, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said on the cross, because he really was damned in our place. But sometimes we feel like God doesn't hear us, that we can't find him, that we're cut off. And then we cry out with the Shulamite and pray and and we go to where he promises to meet you in, in his word, in his body and blood. There we find him, although that's getting ahead of ourselves, right? <laughs> oh, we're excited for it. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying Song of Songs with Pastor David Fleming, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We continue our study of Song of Songs, Chapter 5, with Pastor David Fleming. And Pastor, you've really brought up a number of good points here. Like you said, there's an apathy, which I don't think I would have interpreted it that way, but it's so true because you see it as, well, you know, that's justifiable. You know, she had to do her hair. She had to make sure her feet were covered before she went out. It's all there. But then, you know what? We do this in our Christian walk. We're like, well, you know, I am busy. So Sunday morning doesn't work for me, or I am busy, therefore that 10-minute devotion from portals of prayer or something like that, it, it, that's not really that important. I'm just too busy. I'm, I'm too much of this and too much of that, when it really brings it down to this reality that we need to repent, and we need to live a new life um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, to receive the forgiveness from Christ and to move forward, because it's our Lord who will strengthen us. And we see that wholeheartedly here, where she opens the door and he seems he's not there. And for us, we can feel like that too. We want him. We want the Lord there, but it doesn't seem to be there. So our first six verses, um, any last thoughts before we move on to the next two, which is quite challenging, the next two verses. But the first six, anything you have there? I think you summarized it very well, Pastor Finner. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think, you know, there are those times where we feel God is separated from us or distant from us. And what we have to rely on then is what his word says rather than what we feel or see. Uh, Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You know, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Um, and, and I would say, don't be alone with that. Talk to your pastor about it. Mm -hmm. Well, there we go. Let's keep moving forward as we look at verses seven and eight. The watchman found me 
as they went about in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my veil, those watchmen of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you are my beloved, that you tell him I am sick with love. Now, we, we, we alluded to this before, that this is much like the same situation as chapter 3. But verse 7 is completely different from chapter 3. How do, you, how, do you, how do you put this all together as we look at this? She got beat. She got bruised. They took away her veil. What is going on there? Again, there's lots of different possible interpretations here, and uh, much wiser theologians than I have come up with different conclusions. But I do, I do like the way Luther goes with this. Um, with maybe one little additional thought as well. So uh, why are these watchmen who earlier helped her find her beloved, why are they now turned against her, uh, beating her, and then taking away her veil? Um, One hint could be in this little phrase that they later, uh, toward the end of verse 7, those watchmen of the walls. Uh, The wall... uh, in Song of Songs, is often talking about the guarding of chastity, of uh, maintaining proper boundaries for uh, the marital union. And so the watchmen of the walls would be those who are like making sure that there isn't any old prostitution going on or something like that. And they might have confused her as a prostitute because she is in the middle of the night going around town looking for for her husband. Um, however, it, for that to be true of the uh, Shulamite seems pretty unlikely since at this point now she is has been brought into Solomon. So I, I would think the Secret Service would know who she is, but maybe, maybe so that probably isn't it. Uh, to me, I, I think this is speaking of our life as Christians now. Remember, so we think the second half of Song of Songs is uh, after uh, the marriage, and now it's this living it out. And if we go, if we look at the first half of the book as being sort of the Old Testament, this is then the New Testament time. And, and in the New Testament time, what happens Sometimes the watchmen of the city are opposed to Christianity. Sometimes Christians are mistreated, mocked, shamed. Uh, This is a parallel to Revelation chapter 12, where the woman who is Mary, but she is also the picture of the Christian church, where she is attacked by the dragon um, and then carried off in the wilderness to protect her from the dragon. She's attacked by various things from the dragon, that is Satan um, and his demons. She's protected by the Lord, but she does have to endure a great amount of trouble. And then the, uh, the dragon and the demons go after the faithful Christians who, as uh, John puts it there, hold uh, or keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So, uh, Pastor Finner, that would be particularly probably those listening to this broadcast. Uh, these are people that keep the commandments of God, hold on to them as the right standard for our lives, and continue to hold the testimony of Jesus. They believe what Jesus says about himself, and they confess that as well themselves. 
Mm-hmm. And that attracts satanic attack, right? So, uh, so it, with that parallel in mind, it sure seems that uh, this, her suffering represents that of faithful believers and the corporate people of God in the world. And indeed, around the world right now, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted and literally beaten, uh, literally having their veils taken away from them. Uh, and, and and the Lord allows that because through it, um, he's strengthening the church and the faithful to trust in him in the midst of this. Jesus tells us this is going to happen. Blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted for my name's sake. And, and so Luther says this, the watchmen are those who do not console, but terrify even more and bring sins to light. Like those in Job, they condemn when they should be consoling. They are afflicting souls. Uh, they're, they're taking these afflicted souls and are not raising them up uh, with the word of grace as they ought. Instead, they're, they're beating them up. Uh, and this is a real danger. I have a member in the congregation I serve here in Grand Rapids who grew up in a pastor's home, uh, not Lutheran, and he was taught that he was supposed to achieve second holiness, which was that he did not sin anymore. Could you imagine as a junior high or high school kid thinking that you're not going to sin anymore and how despairing you would be? Um, and not to receive forgiveness, but just, uh-oh, you, should, you shouldn't you should be sinning anymore. Uh, and with, with no gospel, just more law, you know, work harder, kind of, <laughs> right? And that, so that's how Luther takes these watchmen, that they are taking the church and beating her up for not being perfect. Uh, and instead of consoling her with the beautiful grace of the bridegroom who delights in her and loves her and uh, covers her shame and sin. So verse eight it continues a theme that we see throughout. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem. What's happening here? Yeah. So uh, here she's, uh, she's, she's longing to be with her uh, beloved. Um, so she asked the, the women of the daughters of Jerusalem that if you find my beloved, let them know I am sick with love, um, which I, I think I remember feeling that way <laughs> at times in my life. Um, but I think this, this is a parallel to Jesus' words in the Beatitudes of blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you, Pastor Finnard. I guess you'd probably agree with me on this. There's that beautiful line, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, clothed then in the blood-washed linen. Right, okay. So um, yeah. I, I I really look forward to that day when I don't sin anymore. And, yeah. and I look forward to seeing my Lord as he is because I will be like him without sin. I And it... I did that longing for that is a hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for being right with God. Uh, and of course, we receive righteousness from Christ. He declares us righteous by faith in him. But, but then also to actually live that way fully, uh, 
how we long for that. And so she, um, uh, she's warning everybody, uh, you, you know, you might get uh, derided by the world for wanting this righteousness above all things. Uh, but this joy of the love of our Lord more than cons- uh, compensates for any suffering that we may endure for following the Lord. And this divine love, of course, is able to overcome even death and the grave, as we'll see in chapter eight. And Christ has already done this for us. So it is worth everything we are and have to chase after this beloved, to long for him, to to meet him where he meets us, even if the world mocks us for it. And this is where... Oh man, you know, we love because he first loved us comes to mind because you can look at this and, 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 and you see, well, she's sick with love. Like, oh, it, it just hurts. You know, like, doesn't she understand the grace of God? Well, no, she loves him so much because she knows that he loves her so much. And that's the same relationship that we have with the Lord. Um, and she says, I'm sick with love. And we, to understand that completely is, is, is very difficult. I do know that there was a time where I was gone for about 10 days for my family. Um, I was overseas and, and uh, went on a different, um, uh, not mission trip, but visitations. And when I, I remember just that flight back, where you were just so ready to see your family again, especially my bride. Um, my beloved, I should call her, as, as Pastor Fleming does all the time. Um, and I just remember that reunion, how glorious that was. And that is what she yearns for. And what we yearn for is, you know, this is where you sympathize with this this man who grew up in a pastor's home that was told that you can, you can be sinless on this side of eternity. The issue is not his yearning to be sinless, because as you said, you want to be sinless as well. I want to be sinless as well. And But the reality is, it's not going to happen here. It's going to happen when Christ returns, even when we're with the Lord. And 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 so the, the issue is not, I don't want to, that. well, you shouldn't want to be sinless. No, that's not the issue. The issue is when is it going to happen? And it happens all on account of Jesus when he returns and we are with him. That's when it happens. So we're sick with love, meaning we just want it to happen. We want it to be there. Can't I look forward to having it. Um, and what a glorious time that it will be. So I, I, I don't know. Those are, those are some of my thoughts as I look at those verses. And, uh, okay, Any, anything else you have on, I mean, we could probably talk all day just based on that. So anything else before we move on to verse nine? I think that's beautiful. I, I, I would concur with you. I, I love when I've got time at airports watching those re- reunions of families. Oh, nothing better. <laughs> it, isn't, isn't it a joy? And when, oh. you know, when my beloved meets me at the airport or I meet her at the airport, what a delight that is. Yeah. What a oh, it's so great. So great. Oh, wonderful. I, you know what? Maybe I should go home right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> verse, nine, verse nine. Now we hear from the others. What is your beloved more than any other beloved? Oh, most beautiful among women. What is your beloved more than any other beloved? That you thus adjure us. So I'm kind of sensing some sarcasm here. Like, what makes yours better than ours is what I feel. What did you find on verse 9? I, you know, maybe. I I suppose you could read it sarcastically. You know, uh, hey, you know, my husband's better than yours or something. But I, um, I what struck me was this: there's a little tiny chiasm here. And I don't want to get into technical stuff. But basically... Uh, you know, a chiasm is where the thing in the middle is the most important and the outside frame of it on each side is the same thing. 
or related. And so at the at verse nine there, right? What is your beloved more than another beloved? And that exact phrase gets repeated. And and what's between those repetitions of that phrase, that question, oh, or or statement, almost oh, beautiful among women, which to me highlights that statement by the women of of Jerusalem, the daughters of Jerusalem. You're the most beautiful among women, uh, at which, why is she the most beautiful among women? Uh, well, because she's loved by this one who sees her as beautiful, of course. Uh, and, and this is a reminder to us. This is how the Lord sees you, fellow Christian. You are his beloved bride, the church. Uh, this is how, you know, I see my beloved Joe, or how how you, Pastor Finner, see Amy, and and how husbands are called to see their wives without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. I still remember an older member here years ago. His his uh, you know quite a bit older. They're both hunched over. He and his wife. She's got wrinkles everywhere. Um, you know, it's got uh, oh hearing aids and. Uh, really thick glasses and, and, you know, he's got a walker and, and he introduces his wife to me and says, have you met my beloved bride? And there's a twinkle in his eye as he says it. I mean, to him, she doesn't have any stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. She, he doesn't see her age spots. <laughs> you know, he just sees her as this beautiful young woman he married a long time ago. That's how he sees her. And that's how our Lord sees us as we trust in him and repent of our sins and, and live in him and our baptism into him. And consequently, what does it matter what the world thinks of you or what others say about you? If Christ Jesus, your eternally beloved husband, sees you as the most beautiful among women without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, well, what else matters, right? And if we could, if I could live that way all the time, right? Just concentrating on what does my Lord think of me here? Uh, that fills me with joy and energy and um, the ability to oh, work and love and serve my neighbor without, without fear, right? Because he's got me. I think I think the only thing to say that is amen. That that uh, that that brings it together. That you take away my sarcasm, which I like to bring out at all times, and you bring <laughs> the main point. And I really appreciate that because it's about how our Lord sees us, and how often do we just you know how our Lord sees us? That's what really matters, and then that flows into our marriages. You know how my wife sees me is what matters most, and hopefully for Amy and for Joe. How we see them is what matters most, and that and that we teach that to our children and to our to our grandchildren and to others. That that same identity begins with Jesus, and it just flows down to our, our relationships and our friendships and our marriages in a beautiful and wonderful way. So we have to keep moving forward here, Pastor. We are getting close, not close to the end of our time. But we need to keep moving forward. Um, I think I'm ready to go ten through sixteen. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, let's do this. Once again, uh, the Shulamite speaks. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. 
His hand is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweat, sweet, excuse me, sweat, <laughs> herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So once again, he, she's bragging about her husband, her beloved. And, and what a joyful description that is of her husband. Uh, tell us about this. Because we could, we could get lost in the weeds of a lot of details on each one. But I think it, the, the message is obvious. And what do you have to say about, the, about these verses? Yeah, so we can get lost in the weeds. There's, it would take us months to go through all of the vocab here going on. I think the big picture, first of all, just on a human level, human bodies are great. I, you know, and they're to be valued and treasured and studied and delighted in, uh, it, which is, I, I think, as Christians, we tend not to talk about that a great deal. I love uh, Dr. John Kleinig's latest book, um, Wonderfully Made, which is a rhapsody on the human body as God sees it. Uh, it's a delightful book. And uh, and I know he's done some work with issues, et cetera, also that people could listen to him wax eloquent mm -hmm. on this. Our bodies are amazing. And we're our bodies and souls go together. Well, we're we're souls, which is that we have a body and a spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we're not disembodied, we're embodied. Uh, so first there's that. Second, uh, I think it's beautiful, isn't it, that in chapter four, uh, uh, Solomon, the, the husband, describes his, his beloved beautifully, just amazing, right? And that he'll do this again in chapter seven. Um, I peeked ahead a little, um, and uh, uh, and and it, so now she reflects it back, right? So he delights in her. Now she delights in him, and I, that struck me as something you said earlier today, uh, Pastor Finnern. She loves because he first loved her, and just as we loved the Lord because he first loved us, so he leads the way. Delighting in her and every aspect of her, and um, in it in a creative, unashamed way, isn't it delightful? Marriage this way, um, and now uh, she describes him. Interestingly, by the way, when he describes her in chapter seven, here she goes from his head to his feet. She, he will go from her feet to her head in chapter seven, which is kind of fun. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. great. <laughs> Isn't that fun? So all of this, of course, is uh, showing Solomon as a picture of Jesus. For Jesus is the only one who really measures up to this glorious portrait here. Uh, and so we, uh, and we have this same beauty and righteousness and holiness given to us at our baptism because we were clothed with Christ. We put on Christ. So to the Father, we look just like this. 
So a number of different aspects of this, maybe kind of the big picture things for a moment. Notice how much talks about what comes out of his mouth and his lips and, uh, and all that. And I think that draws us particularly to his words. These are of most important to us, what this uh, eternal bridegroom says about us, what beautiful words he gives to us to, to guide us in our life, to call us to repentance and to trust in him and his saving love for us. Additionally, we've got images here of him as uh, king, as warrior, as temple and garden. Um, uh, There's kind of also as high priest. So, uh, well, we could, again, kind of go crazy on all of this. Uh, maybe, Maybe we could start here. Um, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished mm. among 10,000. That's the word myriad, right? Um, so King David was ruddy, we know from 1 Samuel 16. Uh, ruddy would mean red. Um, you know, I used to be a redhead, so I think that's probably what that means. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's both white, radiant, and red. So the early church, Lutheran church fathers saw this as he's pure, but he shed his blood for us. Isn't that beautiful? Um, Psalm 45 says, you are the most handsome of of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. This is all talking about Christ. And at the transfiguration of Jesus, he was indeed radiant. He glowed from the inside. And yet, what a contrast in Isaiah and the suffering servant song. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So why these different images of Jesus? I think perhaps it's kind of the state of humiliation and the state of exaltation. But when our Lord is bearing our sin and burden, he has no form or comeliness that should attract us to him. But through his resurrection, his victory, which would go along with uh, Dr. Mitchell's idea that a five through eight is sort of heaven then. Um, there he is just beautiful and radiant because he has won the victory for us eternally. So pastor, with only a few minutes, two minutes left total, how would you summarize this chapter as the Shulamite woman speaks about her beloved? Well, maybe we could go right to the end of this. Um, His mouth is most sweet and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, because she's answering their question. So she's letting us know that. But uh, he's, he's mine. Right? What, what does Luther do with the second article of the creed? Uh, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me. Uh, it, it's, he is not just Lord and Redeemer and Savior. He's my Lord and my Redeemer and my Savior. He's my beloved. And he calls himself my friend in John chapter 11. Um, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, If a man remains in me, uh, he bears much fruit apart. Oh, that's not 11, is it? That's 14, excuse me. Um, And and 
And he says, "You, I call you friends, not just servants, friends, because friends are brought in on the big picture. We know what's going on. We can come into the family home and sit at the table. We belong. We have a place. And that's what she delights in. And this marvelous one who has won for her everything. And uh, of course, our Lord has done that for us, that we would be his beloved forever. Pastor David Fleming of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and also Executive Director of Spiritual Care at Doxology, giving us God's strong word from Song of Songs, Chapter 5. Pastor Fleming, thank you for the gifts. You're most welcome. What a joy to be with you. As Pastor said over and over, beloved, he calls his wife that. We pray that, you know, she says that to him sometimes, but we also know that it is our Lord who calls us his beloved. And it is something that we realize that he's not only our Lord, which is a name above all names, but he is also our friend, which brings it down to our level, realizing that he went to the cross on the count of that cross. We are beloved in his sight. And Lord, by your spirit, help us to come to go back to you, not in apathy, but with joy of knowing that, that you are also our beloved. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.